Stella Marshall Former through your ball Number 89 I see level time Travis on the right Hot mic on the left Every single week It's a lyrical fact Now I'm ready to go Santana Marshall Santana Marshall Got me in the intro It's time for the show If you all are ready Santana let's go Ah, yes, the Santana Moss Show podcast episode Cinco. What is that? Not the drum roll. That's a little staccato. Like that. That's the tenor. I like that. <laughs> Get a drummer some, please. Give the drummer some. Then, then you hear that bass. Doom, doom. Um, oh, doom, doom, you went marching band. Doom. Doom, mm. doom, doom, doom. That take you back to your playing days, don't you? That was, was like my it to high the house. school days when we walked through that tunnel <laughs> and you hear that band playing. <laughs> I used to always want to play the drum. My dad played the drum yeah. in high school. I tried it in middle school. Wasn't successful. Mm. And the rest is history. That's why I became a football player. Yeah, you but turned out okay. The introduction is everything. So when you had that tenor playing that and you walking down that tunnel, that was my Kara City Chief days, man. Well, I miss him. What's up, though, buddy? In high school, I was under the bleachers doing, <laughs> well, never mind what I was doing. Let's do a proper introduction. Give me a drum roll, please. <laughs> he hails from Miami, Florida, one of the most electrifying men to ever lace him up at the U. One of the greatest Washington Redskins wide receivers of all time, Santana Moss. Ladies and and like I'm Travis it. Thomas. Okay, like so let's get caught up on what we've been doing since our last show. We had your boy DJ Swearinger on. Mm-hmm. He was great, by the way. Have you played cards with him since? Yesterday. I knew it. Yesterday. It's something about me and those cards. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called gambling. <laughs> you know, we find a way every week to have a time where you, especially when you play ball for so long, and yeah. that's something that all the ball players you go worldwide. If you play football using those locker rooms, one of the things, your pastimes or your downtime, you might call it, you're going to find a way to bond with a, a card game. And compete. Yeah. Still competing. Still competing. Right. Now you want that guy's pocket change. You right. Know? Get some of that pocket change you got over there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we had a good time last night. A couple of mutual friends, the Pisanos guys. Ah. Special shout out to my guy, Fuid. We had a nice card game. And besides that, last week, I had a fabulous week. Right. After I seen you guys, I had a guest appearance on Donnie Simpson and Tony That's Perkins right. show. Right. One on 2.3. Yeah. Magic. Enjoyed my time there, man. Grew up watching Donnie Simpson on uh, Video Soul. Shared that with him. Still looked the same. Told him all the women loved him. I remember in my household, the women turned channels. They want to see green eyes. Green eyes soul. They want to see green eyes. So I I had a fabulous time with him. And then later on that week, I went back to this school that I kind of adopted. It's a school in Woodbridge, Virginia. The name is Fitzgerald Elementary. In January, I came out and we started this chain of kindness. I was the first person to form the link. And I challenged all the kids in the school to do something kind, whether you are upperclassmen to lowerclassmen, do something every day. Try to be kind to the others. So many kids are getting bullied these days. So many kids are doing so much wrong to each other. We started that challenge and they brought me back out Friday to show me how long the chain got. And they wrapped three times around their wow. gymnasium. I had it on my Instagram, man. It was a fabulous time just to see it. And they love the fact that I appreciate what they're doing and just showing them the love. So coming back year after year, it's been joyous. And it's something oh. I look forward to doing. That's awesome. 
awesome, man. That's one of the things when people talk to me about you and how is Santana? That's some of the stuff I always bring up is you see him on the football field and you were super intense and a competitor, one of the toughest SOBs out there. But in reality, you got a big heart. Yeah, and uh, Santana, love the kids. He love the kids, baby. Tana, man, love the kids. You know, I got to tell you something. What I've been doing since the last time we were what together. What have you been doing, Trey? I've been watching Washington Capitals. Oh, yeah. Nonstop. Oh, yeah. Tana, we finally oh, yeah. beat the Penguins. Finally. Oh, get the monkey right off of our back. Yeah. Pittsburgh almost made me hate Penguins. And Penguins are lovable creatures, but that hockey team almost made me hate actual Penguins. You know, it's dope because you think about the history. I think that's the second time in 11 tries they beat these guys. And just thinking about Crosby and our guy, Ovechkin, you know, those are, the, to me, the two top guys in this league, the NHL league, and to see them always facing off and Ovechkin having to take the back seat to him. And, Your and we, friend, my, a, Don't, don't a, be all a, humble. A good buddy of Your mine. Your boy. Even last year alone. Last year we did, he was the guy that kicked off my first show, the uh, Route 89 That's show. That's right, yep. Speaking to him at that time, it was a joy to share that time with him because he didn't allow too many people in his space. Right. I left that taping saying to myself, he's beat up. Yeah, he you was. Know, he was and, limping. And he told me. He shared it with me like, yeah, you know, but he's a hard-nosed guy. He's one of those guys. He can play any position on the football field. He's one of those tough guys that he like, you know, regardless of how I feel, I'm going to go out there and play. Yep. And I respect that from him. But to see him then and now, it's no wonder why they're doing what they're doing because he's healthier. He's leaner. He's flying around that ice. And just the other supporting cast he has. So I tip my hats off to those guys. I don't want to sit here and toot their horns too much because it's still a lot of work to be More done. More work to do. So I'm definitely happy because just to see them go on to the next round, that's something that we've been waiting for up here in this city. And let's root them on. Anybody who's listening, who's uh, watching Tonian and love this sports up here in this area, let's root these guys on because they are representing us in a way that we haven't been representing in a long time. I understand football and hockey are different, but at the end of the day, how does a team focus in sports? How does a team focus on, okay, we finally just beat the team we never beat, right? But we still have more work to do. How do you dial into that? Like, amnesia. I mean, you have to, right? You have to have amnesia because you have to understand the fact that you still haven't accomplished your main goal. Right. In every sport, there's a championship that's trying to be conquered, whether it's team or individual. It's a championship that you're fighting for. If you haven't got there yet, you have to be humble enough to understand that, okay, we was good enough to surpass these guys. Now I still know the task at hand. Until you're able to grasp that and know that the work still needs to be done, then you're able to be a champion or be considered a champion. So I think they have to fast forward and race all that stuff out of their heads. Enjoy the victory because you have to enjoy you it. You gotta enjoy You it. have to feel yeah. good about that because they've been trying so long and so hard. But now it's okay, we move on. And this is gonna get even tougher. You know, these guys yeah. down south in a place I know well Tampa. In a state I know well, Florida, being a Florida guy, they play some good hockey down there in Tampa. Yeah. And you might scratch your head about it, like, how is these guys in Tampa playing so well as they've been playing? But they're a team that has to be reckoned with also. So they they have to come with that same mentality that they came with this last series and know that it's still a job at hand. I would imagine confidence has to be at all time. The confidence high, is right? up there. You can it see the way they're playing. You can see where they're playing, the way they're playing the game. The way they're skating, the big difference is they're playing the same way offensively. 
on the other side playing yes. defense. Their defense Physical. awareness is up. Yes. You know what I mean? Yep. For, for many years, I don't know the game of hockey. Yeah. I don't know. I watch it a lot because of Alex and yeah. just to see the difference, I'm noticing it. So I'm pretty sure guys who watch it and follow it, they can see the same. You know, their right. defensive intensity has risen. And that's what allows you to be able to be where you at right now. If you can play both sides the way they're playing on one side, then you're making yourself a complete team because now you're just as dominant on the offensive end that you is on the defensive end. And that's the way you win. And that's the way you build champions pedigree rock the red to all the caps fans out there doop, doop, now doop, doop, doop. that's the week that was but you have something coming up this weekend yeah i know it's dear to your heart let's break that down this saturday i have my lunch party for my new foundation 89 ways to give i invited all you guys and i have tony perkins from 102.3 and fox 5 he's my host for this special occasion it's basically uh, a foundation that i started years ago i was 20 years old probably when i first started my santana moss foundation and all i did was just you know resurrect it and change the name because i'm now uh, a washingtonian i live in the dmv area and i wanted to erase anything that i did in the past and start it from fresh so I'm just continuing what I've done in Miami, just trying to contribute and be who I was to the youth. I support them more than I've supported anything else because of knowing just I was one of those guys in those shoes. The opportunity levels are there. Most of the kids don't know it's there because they're dealing with different things that they grow up with throughout their household, throughout just growing up through the schools and everything. It's so much going on in a teenager's mind and their everyday. They need to know that someone has their back. They need to know that someone's here pulling for them. And that's what I've always tried to be. I'm, I've always tried to be a person that can show them if you believe and you want something, you can have it. And that's 89 ways to give in a nutshell. I want to be able to allow them to understand that there's people in that corner, one, if anybody, it's me. And then besides that, I want to give them that kind of pressure. It's not so much of pressure, though. I want to put it on them, though, to say, hey, go out there and want what you think you can't have. Right. You know, a lot of people look at it and say, well, he's well off because of this. No, you have so many excuses and you allow yourself to sit there and let that stuff and dwell on that stuff. No, you can have the same thing or even more if you go out there and put your mind to it. So that's why I form 89 Ways so I can be there and be that support system, be that person that they might not have at home, be that big brother, that uncle, that father figure or whatever it may be to show them that if nobody has their back, I do. You're pushing them to greatness. Yeah, pushing definitely. them to chase their dreams. I respect that. You push me every day, but it's actually physically shoving me out of the way. <laughs> but I, I still respect it. <laughs> no doubt, my brother. With that being said, time now for Santana State of the Skins. It's only May. I know football's pretty much year-round, quite frankly. What are the players' mentalities now? It's OTAs, rookie camps, all that good stuff. What's going through you guys' minds now? Because obviously training camp's coming in the summer, but there's still a few months before then. Walk me through a day in the life right now when you were playing. This time of year, I think it's changed so much from the past. I remember my time, and I can say as early as probably as a rookie, or not even a rookie, four or five years past. A younger guy. Yeah, a, a younger Tanner. I took these days lightly. I really wasn't concerned of doing much. Like, it was already in me to just go out there and train, so I did that. But I also wanted to enjoy this off time, knowing that I got six, seven months, you know, mayhem, that I'm going to be gone from the family, right. and I'm going to be focusing on trying to go out there and conquer the goal that we all have at hand. Now, Tanner, at 2013, 2000, what, 2012, 13, and 14, my last three years of playing, the game has changed. Every guy is trying to get better in the offseason. You know, we didn't make it to the playoffs that often, but as soon as the playoffs was over, 
or as soon as you was over, your season was over, guys took two weeks, three weeks off, and they right back at it because they understand that I got to get an edge. I need that edge on the next guy, the guy that's next to me or the guy that I have to face. You see that now. You see it, especially with social media. You see so many guys training, so many guys working out. So I think that's why the game has changed dramatically when it comes to just the level of play. So many guys out there putting on great performances and being heroic in some of their performances. It's because they're putting all the work in right now when they don't have to. And then when they get up here through the OTAs or through the spring drills, they're already in shape. Back then, the older guys used to tell us, man, just take all that time off. You're going to come up here and be able to prepare yourself so to get in play shape. play yourself in the shape. Yeah, right? and, and then you you actually behind the eight ball because now when you start those sprints and you start all that changing direction, if you got two or three, four, five, ten pounds on you, Ooh. you don't feel the same. And right. you have to wait a week or two to really mold that body back. So guys are coming in now more prepared, and these days are really lighter to them now because they're prepared. If you're training year-round, right, yeah. and you're only taking a, a week here, a week there to recover, are you more injury-prone than if you took a few months? Sure, maybe you're kicking back a couple Tito's and water yeah. and eating pizza, but at the end of the day, isn't your body healing? Does that make sense, what I'm asking? It makes a lot of sense. I'm going to give you a few examples. 2002, Tanner, came off a 2001 injury where I had tore my meniscus, lateral meniscus. I played two sports growing up throughout my entire life. Now in the NFL, I don't have those two sports to count on. So right. it's all football. Yeah. Come off an injury, just got healthy enough to finish the season out the last few games, and I immediately went right back to have another surgery to clean up some things. So after I got that surgery, I went right to practicing, preparing. You could catch me in the University of Miami with the guys that's coming out in the draft that's trying to get into the league. Right. I'm working out. That 2002 season was magnificent. I went out there and blew up, like showed you that what I'm worth. Same thing. Next year, 2002 went by, 2003 offseason, did the same thing. 2003, I had my best season as a receiver. Wow. Blew up. A year or two later, someone told me, hey, take that time off, man. When you're done, you know, with your season, rest for about a month or two. Then when you get up here with the team, it was a totally different feel in my body and mind. My mind was already, you know, I took an L in my mind because I'm already feeling defeated because my body wasn't right. When I eventually molded myself into shape, these guys got almost three months on me already. You know what wow. I mean? Yeah. Eight weeks to three months on me already. So I got in shape and I was able to play good ball, but it took longer. As players, we don't worry about injuries. You just worry about being the best you can be because, you know, when you play this game, you got to play fast. Whether you get hurt or not, as long as you're playing fast, you give yourself a chance not to be hurt. When you start thinking and you're out there tipping around, that's when you get injured. So it doesn't matter if you train hard before it's time or take that time off. If it's meant for you to get hurt, you're going to get hurt you're regardless. You're going to get hurt regardless. You know? But Man. I think it's best to go on out ahead and put that work in beforehand because if you come into the spring drills already in shape, it's going to be so light on you. Your body going to be already intact. You don't have to worry about the stress. of. So it's not the wear and tear no, if not. you're in shape, yeah. essentially. Yeah, exactly. And, and most of the guys now today, they know about taking care of their bodies a little better. You know, the wear and tear part, you can find a way to fix that. You can go out there and have those ice baths and, and have your guy come in, you know, find a regimen. Like I had a regimen. I had a chiropractor, I had a masseuse, and I had a guy that just was special. <laughs> you know what I mean? He could do it all. Chiropractor, masseuse, and somebody was special. He knew everything that they didn't know. So at the end of the day, I was always being treated, and that's what gave me 14 years. But you learned that from Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin, the Mo Lewis's, T-Bucks, you name it. All the guys that was before me, Aaron Glenn's, those guys, I was like a sponge. When I came into the New York Jet locker rooms back then as a 21, 22-year-old, I just watched and listened. And I remember sharing a lot of time with Curtis in the training room one year, 2004 to be exact. He had two ankle sprains. 
he didn't practice at all throughout the week. Still went out there and led the league in rushing. Wow. Every Sunday he would go out there and he would bust it open. I'm talking about 150, 200. I mean, the guy put on performances that I was sat there and I just shook my head about. And he used to sit there and tell me time and time again, Tanner, just find you a regiment, Find you somebody that knows your body. And it didn't take me until the next year I started getting the hang of it. And then when I got traded here, the rest was history. I found my guy. It was like the guy was just, he was given to me, like on a tray, like on a platter. Wow. And I walked into that room and he told me everything that was going wrong with me. He said, I'm going to fix you tonight. Tomorrow you're going to feel like a new man. And I went out there and played practice that day. And I came back. I say, however much I owe you, don't worry about it. I got you. <laughs> wow. And I had him for 14 years. Woo! I've heard you tell people oh, no doubt. to go to him. No, no, I heard no, you no tell doubt. Ovi that. I left in 2014, and I would come back you know, to see my house up here. I was in Miami for 2015 doing my NBA thing, and I would come back just to visit and just to you know, make sure everything's intact here. I allowed him to have a key so he can treat the guys that were still here, and the basement would be full with guys on the team. So oh. they caught on to the same drift as mine, and they knew that whatever Tanner was doing to stay as long as he did, I need to do the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, and you played at a high level, too. You weren't one just one of those guys that hung on and didn't no. have anything left. He, he told me specifically, Tanner, you good. Leave everything on the field, and I'll fix it. Wow. And so every Sunday, I would literally go out there and say, hey, he told me I'm going to break some if I got to. I don't want to. I right. used to knock on wood. Right. didn't want to, but I'm going to leave it on the field because I know at the end of the day, I can go lay on his table, and he's going to take care of me. So he was like an athlete whisperer. <laughs> exactly. Right? I'm going to give him a little shout-out. I'll say, Mel, what is it that you see? When I lie on this table, he said, well, I see your muscles inside out. Because I would literally walk into the basement. And he was like, that right glute hurting you, huh? What? I'm like, man, how you know? He said, because yeah, your left side a little shortened, so I know you're conversating from the right. And I'm like, but how uh, you knew it's my glute? You know what I mean? Right. Like, he would just point out things that he just saw it. And he was like, I, I actually see your muscles inside out when I look at your body. That's crazy. I was like, bro, so do you kind of like can see me? He's like, no, man, don't think of it like that. But I really just see the body differently than anybody else because he studied it. He, he studied it all his life, and that's something that he went to school for. And trust me, he put his hands on you. You feel like a new man. Do you think Mel would see any muscle with me at all? Like, forget inside out, <laughs> any at all. Any well, muscle, tissue, or athleticism well, if I walked in the room? What do well, you think would well, run through his well, mind? Well, Travis, he would see, he's like, well, Travis, <laughs> do you partake in any beer um, engagements? Do you drink on a regular Travis? <laughs> like, I see a six-pack and a 12-pack. Do I? I see um, <laughs> malt liquor, <laughs> a couple of Coronas. Some Tito's. Heineken is, is your Heineken's spe- Heineken is something there. that you love. Uh, um, so you talked about younger Tana, man. Yeah. When you got to be a little long in the tooth, were you ever, and be honest, no one's listening. It's your podcast. They listen. You can be honest on yours. They listen. You think they're listening? No doubt. Were you ever sick of training camp or like preseason? Were you like, let's just skip all this and go to the season for God's sakes? From day one, practice was my everything. I learned throughout the years of playing, if I'm comfortable and confident in what I've just played in practice, I can go out and defeat anybody on game day. My practice was harder than my games. I literally went out there, and I mean, you can ask any guy, how was Tanner on the practice field? They'll tell you, I hated when I was injured or something was going on with me that I couldn't but, practice. Right. Because I felt that that was my preparation time. That was my time to get my confidence down with the quarterbacks, and I had a million of them, yeah, so you, you, you understand why yes. I had to have that practice with them. But I always felt confident in knowing that if I had a great week in practice, oh, Sunday's going to be nice, or whatever day we playing, Sunday, Thursday, or Monday night, it's going to be a nice outing for me. And it's crazy how that thing goes hand in hand because the times I didn't feel right, I didn't have good outings. I never cared about the training camp schedule, the mini camp schedule, 
even these times right now when, you know, it was guys that say, hey, man, I'm going to miss the whole spring. I ain't taking that check. You know, it's guys to this day, big money guys on the team that say, hey, I'm going to stay where I'm at, which is you can't knock them because as long as they're getting the work in, it's cool. Right. They're you not know, sitting around. They're, they're still around. training. Right. But I always felt confident in being around the fellas and saying, I'm going to show you and I'm going to motivate you and we're going to push each other to go out here and be better. I feel like that's the only way you can get the job done together. It's a team sport. I can't do it by myself. You can't do it by yourself. So if I motivate you, you motivate me. We out here together. We out here pushing, fighting, sweating for that ultimate goal. Then we have a better chance at it. And I love this time of the year that I can come and participate in some of the spring activities because it was to me like tasting football season. It's, it's here. It's around the corner. So I prepare it differently from us. Now, a lot of veterans not going to feel the same way. Right. A lot of guys don't have the same mentality. But me personally, I love this time of year because I knew and I used to do it differently. I used to come up here on a on a Sunday night knowing I had work on Monday. Right. And by Thursday, my flight was booked for Miami because uh. I know I'm going to spend Thursday night and Friday, Saturday home in Miami. I did that for 14 years straight. If I'm hearing you right, you love training camp. But what about preseason games? I mean, I guess a game is a game, right? Even though it didn't little, count. The game's a little different because we knew as starters that we have a certain amount of plays right. the first game. Those plays up the second game. And then the third game is your regular season right. showdown. Whatever we put out here this first half or maybe a half and a quarter, it's what we're so basically said we're going to put out week one. It's like a dress rehearsal. So it's dress rehearsal, right. definitely. I remember those years of being the guy that prepared saying that, hey, what I show up and do – on you know this third preseason game is going to basically put in their coach minds that hey this is what we're going to show on game one and then I remember being that guy later in my career where I wasn't called upon to play those first two quarters and I had to basically make something in those late quarters I remember when I put in that position it was my last year here 2014 they put me in the second quarter and then I knew I had to play third and fourth that was in my mind like oh man I gotta come play third and fourth I actually scored in the second quarter, came out and played three or four plays in the third quarter, and the coach was like, we've seen enough from Tim. We know we can trust on you. Wow. And, and I was sitting there pissed, though. I was oh, you were in the groove. I was <laughs> No, I wasn't even pissed about the groove. Yeah. I was pissed I had to play those late quarters because <laughs> I didn't believe that those guys that I had to go against was going to prove anything to me or right. them. Right. I'm like, man, come on, these are kids. You know, I've been playing this game for too long. Just my mindset alone is going to make me win. Right. Half of them defeated by lining up against me. You know, that's how I felt. I went out and made a couple of plays, moved the chains a couple of times. I'm like, are you not entertained? Yeah, anytime now. <laughs> are you not entertained? Like, can you can you take me out? You know, it was Jay Gruden's first year, and he took me out. I said, I don't even see no more. And I was kind of not being cocky or nothing. I was I thanked him for doing that, but then I sat on the sideline. I'm like, man, people could really test you. They can really test yeah. you and see who you're going to really be because at the end of the day, he don't owe me anything. He's new. He's a new head coach. He got to earn his keep just like I got to earn mine. So right. I appreciate the test, but I feel like I shouldn't have been in that situation. Yeah, no question. It's like Roy Jones, man. Yeah. Y'all must have forgot. Must have forgot. Come on now. I'm out here making plays who you think I am. It's <laughs> eight to the nine, baby. Oh, really? With that being said, why not get story time from Santana? Listen up. He's got a story to tell. All right, Tana, go ahead and rub your hands together like bird, man. I need some money talk now. A brother like myself who, uh, you know, I'm balling on a budget. You know, I'm balling on <laughs> a budget. We all ball on a budget, though, Travis. Yeah, but I want to talk about your first check, like your first real NFL money. Yeah. Like cornrow Tana. I need, <laughs> I need cornrow Tana stories. I want a stunting story. Oh, man. So you got to understand, never worked before. I mean, when it comes to a real job. A real job. I work, but there right. was basically someone saying, hey, you come paint my wall. Right. But my first real job. 
2001, first round draft pick by the New York Jets, 16 overall pick. Cornrow Tanner. And I understand that I'm getting a pretty good signing bonus. I asked my agent, like, so how much I'm getting? Like, you getting about 5.3, 5.4. I say, meal? He's like, yeah. I say, man. <laughs> Hey, mama, we made it. Oh, Lord. I didn't want to pass out when he said 5.3 mil. Because so all know, that, that's here you go. That's, that's making it rain. bonus. Oh. That's what you guarantee. That's the only thing you guarantee. What they didn't tell me is, in that signing bonus, they deduct taxes out <laughs> before you get it. <laughs> so here I am. It's signing day. It took a while for me to sign, right. but I wanted to make sure I was there for the first day. Right. You know, most of the guys getting signed, and it's two weeks, three weeks out. Training camp hasn't started. I'm on the borderline. We actually finna start training camp tomorrow, and I hadn't signed yet. Uh, All of a sudden, they came to a conclusion. We want that. We'll take it. Boom, we got it. The Jets sent their people down. They flew down to Miami, and the whole thing was for me to sign, and I fly back to training camp to make it for training camp right. and be there for day one. First day. So they come down, I'm like, oh, yes. You know, all I wanted to do is be that day one. I wanted to give that my best expression the first day. Don't sit there and wait, and then now people have a, a mixed perception of me. Yeah, oh, only about he's, money and he blah, bought his blah, dollar. Yeah. He thinks he's better than the team. No, right. I want to be there. I want to be in-house. I want to sit there with everybody else in those meeting rooms and go through all the grind days with them. So to me, I feel like I conquered that. When that guy came down, he put that piece of paper in front of me. Woo. I ain't had to read him. I asked my agent. Everything looked good. <laughs> yeah, everything good. I piled that pen. Hold on. I have him how <laughs> Weigh that pen. I weigh that pen like this. I ain't even know what I was doing. I don't know. <laughs> Shining all these damn papers, about 30 something of them. Damn. I'm like, man, I'm about to sign my life away. Right. And then they put that check in front of me. <sighs> so I looked at them like, this check say um 3.1. <laughs> so the agent's like, yeah, Tanner, nice chump of change, man, for your first. That's wrong. Something wrong. <laughs> I slid it back. Up. Something wrong. Coach. <laughs> Missing some zero. Something wrong. Missing some zero. You're like, no, everything is legit. You told me I was getting 5.3. And the room, they <laughs> immediately oh. just erupt this laughing. Yeah, Tanner, you got 5.3, but Uncle Sam took his. Well, I ain't even play a down yet. How <laughs> Uncle Sam get to take anything out? Now, this is from a guy that never worked. Didn't right. know that they take taxes out. It's rules to this. It's levels. So I'm sitting there. This is my really first check to ever look at. And the taxes have been deducted already. And so now I'm on that plane flying back mad. Like, good thing I ain't spend no money. Right. Because I'm sitting there like, man, I'm glad I ain't buy nothing, man. Cause Heck I'm, yeah. They just took $2 million from me, man. Like, like it was nothing. Hey, but you know what? Your agent was on point. Because how many guys would have got that 5-3 and not paid Uncle but Sam? Look, my dad was already telling me, look, son, the more you make, the more they take. Man, right. I don't want to hear that crap, <laughs> man. They told me 5.3. And with that said, I need to see 5.3. They get me 3-1. I'm already, man, I'm going to camp mad. Man, I'm finna go out there and break some ankles, boy. They just don't know. I'm finna get them tomorrow. But to be honest, after I cooled down on that flight, just to know that I'm on a team, I'm a, a first-round pick, a lot to be expected. I put that behind me immediately. But it was a learning that i never forget because now I sit here and I think about it. I say, these people throw all these numbers across that TV screen and everybody like, boy, you got 40 million. You don't know, boy, that you 40 million is yeah, half of that. Yeah, you're right. It's half of that. It's so much more to what you see, you know, right. and people don't know that. And that's why I'm glad that I've always been the guy that just never went out there on the limb and did to me outrageous thing when it comes right. to my pockets. Right. Because, you know, you have to get it first before you can go out there and spend it. I guarantee you took care of mom, yeah. you took care of family, yeah. you took care of your boys, whoever needed whatever. After all that, yeah. what was the first thing you did for you 
where you were spending some money. I took care of mom and dad. I took care of them first. My dad had to have a car. My mom had to have a car. The first real spending I did on myself. For I, yourself. I bought a house. I remember I didn't buy a house that year. I went through the whole season. I still had my apartment from college, and my girl and my son were staying there. And I remember coming home, and I'm like, well, I had a dream. And I'm one of those guys, I told you, I'm big on vibes and energy and all that type of stuff. I was saying to myself, I want to find a house. I want to find something I can call my own and get out of this apartment playing rent. And I remember having a dream. I dreamt that I bought a house. dreamt that I bought a house in the area that I was in. And then next morning after that dream, something told me to go west of where I was at at the time. And I remember getting up, riding out west, and a new community was being built. Oh. They had one model home up. And I say, this is the house I That's saw. That's And I went out there, and I sat That's in that crazy. model, and I and I bought my first home that day. I remember that was my first spending on myself. That's crazy. And I remember telling my dad, I got my house. You know, my dad's one of those guys. He want to make sure, well, you went through this, and you did that, <laughs> and, you, and, 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 and who you got your credit line through, and, and how you went about it. I got somebody for you, and you can get a good rate on it. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to let you do all that. But I found my house. <laughs> Regardless of what you say, you're going to help me do, thank you. And I need that. But I appreciate it. Place. I, but this is my home. I'm going to call this my home. And to this day, I still have it. You I know? was going to so ask you if you still have it. Still have it to this day. And it's crazy because I moved before and I never sold it. And, and to this day, I still have it. Is it like New York State or is it in Jersey? Because I know some of the guys on the Jets live in Jersey, right? I bought my first home in Miami. Okay. And, you know, when I was in New York, my first year... I was in a condo, you know, okay. I was just trying to, you know, do that. And then I realized that I needed something close to the facility, so I later bought a townhome nearby. That was by it. Okay. But, man, look, when I jumped ship. the crib is in my head. Yeah, when I jumped ship, right. man, I left everything back there. Whoever <laughs> whoever was helping me then, I gave him a phone call. I almost didn't go get my car. Hey, can you please find a way to uh, get rid of that place for me? And I didn't want to step foot back in Hempstead. And no offense to Hempstead, I loved it there. They treated me so kind, and, and I had some great years there. <laughs> but I'm one of those guys, man, I cut that cord and yeah. I keep it moving. Like, I, just, I don't look behind. You know, I don't wow. look back. Home is Miami. Always would be. Still got it, too. That's cool, man. No doubt. You know, if no one's in there right now, I could... Uh, <laughs> here's the thing. You can always use a vacation yeah. spot, huh? I mean, the way my account is set up, I mean, I won't pay you for it, but if you just want to maybe like a week or two, maybe three weeks. Let's call it three weeks. I could go down there and just make sure everything's cool. To make create. sure everything's good, huh? Yeah. I'd like to go during the winter here. Keep the pool warm and everything. Go down there make sure everything is everything on the up and up. And then if you want me to just stay there permanently, I could Skype for this show and we could do that. <laughs> Oscar said we can set that up. So I wanted to ask you about other guys you have played with or know after their playing careers, who's been the most successful. But I know from an offline conversation with you, I don't even care about any of them. I just want you to tell the story of Edron James. Oh, no doubt. For those of you who don't know, if you watch this podcast, you know who Edron James is. But for those of you who maybe don't, one of the greatest running backs ever, quite yeah. frankly. Played Collegiately with, and, uh, yes, and through the NFL. Correct. University of Miami running back, ended up with the Colts. Played with Peyton Manning basically his whole career there at the Colts for the most part. Amazing career. Yeah. But his story financially is crazy. Oh, Please it's, tell it's the people that. I share a little bit with him. I mean, you know, I spoke to you off air about EJ, you know, and we call him EJ, the edge. Edron James is, is EJ to us, you know, especially the guys who grew up with him and then the guys who bonded with him in college and who's friends with him now. It's just sickening just to think that a guy who you can look at and say that so many people had different views about because he had gold teeth, gold teeth and dreads. dreads yes. And you might look at him and say he's a thug. That's the first perception. Oh, he's a thug. 
the most educated brother I ever ran across. You say he always reads, right? Always reading. And I swear, I wish I had the mindset. I wish I can just think for an hour straight of everything that I'm comprehending because I can't. I tell him all the time. He always tell me, Tanya, you need to read. Man, I need an audio book, brother, because I can't <laughs> sit there and read all day, man. I mean, I get into two lines, and I'm always thinking about, oh, man, I remember I bummed that guy back in 97. <laughs> <laughs> my mind just go west, far west, far east coast, you hear me? But nah, EJ has always been the guy that gave us so much advice, man. From my freshman year to now, the things that he's taught me in life, things he taught me through the game. He used to tell us, see, I'm going to go out here and do this, and then I'm going to tell y'all how to do it. Wow. And that's the thing I used to appreciate from a big brother. Like, you know, this guy here don't know nothing about us and don't need, he don't owe us nothing. We just teammates. But he always said, no, I'm going to go out here and test these waters. And we used to always tell him, bro, we can't do what you do. Right. You know, everybody has to do it their own way. But I understand. I want that same experience. And he just did things differently. From the whole start of things when he was the first running back taken, when he had Ricky Williams that had a magnificent college career and supposed to be the first running back, he knew he was going to be the first running back. Then from there to not saying, hey, I'm not getting an agent. My brother's a lawyer. We're going to work this thing out through him. That's genius. From that to saying that, hey, you know what? Hey, check this out. I promise you I'm going to do this and do that. He wrote everything down. He was, a, he was a guy that was all, he was big about setting goals. And he's like, you know what? Give me whatever you want to give me because I'm already going to get big money because I'm the fourth pick. But give me what you want to give me and add on all them incentives you want to add on. And I'm going to go out there and read So, it. like, if I'm a pro bowler, if I'm leading, Russia, you know, if I'm rookie, rookie of the rookie, year or whatever. Like, he did things in his contract that I don't think too many guys understand what he did. And he did it twice, two years in a uh. row. And so the things he did playing and then off the field, you know, EJ had everything that you could want, you know, as a player or as a guy with money. All the toys from the way he lived and everything. But he was doing that stuff on a budget. He knew that I'm not touching the check. I'm going to take all this endorsement money and I'm going to live off this endorsement money. And <sighs> later on down the line, all the money that I got from playing. A base salary. He I'm didn't going touch. To, he was throwing it. He was stacking it. You look back at it. We Genius. Like, and I tell him to this day, EJ, I couldn't do what you do because I wasn't getting the same check she was getting. I wasn't getting the endorsement she was getting. But right. I'm intrigued to know that you was a guy about your dollar. And to, to this day, the way he raises kids. He have a daughter here that's in Howard right now that he comes up to the DMV area all the time and visit her. But he showed so much to so many guys like myself, Reggie Wayne. Porter still rode him to this day. We all still roll with him, but Porter, you see Porter's a lot taking vacations with him and everything. But he's been one of those guys that anytime you needed some advice on anything, dealing with money, whatever, you can go to him and talk to him about it. I tip my hat off to him because, like I say, one of the things I, I, I'm proud to know that he's a brother of mine. He's a, bro, he's a guy that I can call my brother. But, you know, not only that, he set the standards for what guys are being able to do now when it comes, yeah. in, when it comes to the dreads and coming yep. to with the gold teeth. Being you yourself. Can't, you can't look at everybody and say, well, this is him. This That's is right. This is what we see when we see that. EJ was the guy that came in here first like that and shows you that, man, I'm not going to change. But I'm going to show you that I'm bigger than what you know or bigger than what you view me as. I mean, you talk about how smart he is. Tana, he even played smart. At that position, running back, what do you think about constant running into a brick wall every play? I think it was the mix of him being so smart and playing alongside Manning, too. And that offense, it was so complex. He was catching passes. He was out in the flat. When he would run, you never saw him take big shots. Uh, He'd get out of bounds or he'd get down. He had a game plan, man, and he wrote everything down to know that, hey, Tanner, as long as I fall forward, I'm going to have a chance to reach these yardage. As long as I get myself the ball. Like, he was an every down back. He was was in the era where you don't see too many of these backs no more where it's every down backs. And that's why it's crazy because you don't seen him up for the Hall of Fame, what, the last three years. Oh, he's getting in. Eventually he's going to get in. He's getting in. One of the things I 
found out and I realized about the Hall of Fame, if you're so far removed, you don't give a chance for the people who didn't really watch you play to really vote and be that support for you. EJ is everything that a back would want to be. I saw that in college. Man, the guy I remember my freshman year, we playing in Baylor. I didn't even take my hammer on the field. I'm fully dressed. They told me I was going to red shirt this year, and he's not a starter. And this is his sophomore year. He's a true sophomore. I'm a true freshman. I'm sitting there fully dressed, but my helmet is in the locker room. They're like, Tanner, the first four games, we're going to let you just dress, but eventually you're going to red shirt. Right. And EJ, I'm sitting next to him, and that's my boy because he'd already you know, named me or stamped me. Tanner, man, that's your name. Like, you know, when guys give you those names, those nicknames, that's because they see something in you. And he stamped me early knowing that you got some potential. I see that dog in you. I'm sitting next to me like, boy, if they ever let me get in, Tanner, I'm telling you. Ever let me get in, it's going to be pressure. And I'm like, I feel you. Because I watched him in practice. I see him every day go out there and ball. And I promise you, the guy in front of him got hurt. I was going to ask you, who's even in front of him? Two touchdowns and 100-some yards later. And I said to myself, I sat there like this. This dude just told me he finna do this. And he came out of bound laughing. He had a little gold in my, I told you, Tanner. <laughs> he had a little laugh sitting there like, I'm stunned because I'm a freshman. I'm young. Wow. I'm just sitting here like, man, I just witnessed something that a guy called his number like, man. And he come out with the same humor, just laughing about it. Like, nothing was serious to him. He just go out there and do it. And I'm sitting there saying, I'm witnessing somebody that's great. Like, he can just go out here and be great because he know he's great. He like, I told you, dog. They don't let the wrong one get in the game. <laughs> They don't let the wrong one get in the game. He go out the next and pat, 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 touchdown. And I'm sitting back there the sidelines. You remember that boy, EJ? I'm sitting there like, that man just called his number. Knew it. The rest was history. That dude who was in front of him was okay. And I sat there and looked at him like, boy, I'm sorry, but you got Adrian James who's finna change a lot of these record books. He was a starter from there on, man. And I remember the game before he left. Reggie was my roommate and James Jackson, which is my cousin, my second cousin, was his roommate. Reggie and James Jackson didn't play for some reason that game. So they bunked me and uh, EJ together. I remember the whole discussion that night. I had a cell phone. EJ didn't have a phone for some reason. I don't know how I had a phone. I, don't, I was trying to ball. <laughs> I was doing too much balling at that time. But um, something was wrong with his phone or something. And he got a, he said, man, can I use your phone for a call? And he made a call. I'm not going to go too deep in the call, but he got the phone. Yeah, boy, it's going down tomorrow. 300 yards. I'm going to rush for 300. So I'm sitting there like, man, this dude, he's sick, man. And we finna play. We playing the number one team in the nation. At the time, UCLA, we supposed to play them early in the year. It was a hurricane that hit, and we had to postpone our game. UCLA wished they would have played that game early in the year because they now undefeated and number one in the nation. Wow. Easy walk into the national championship. We just got out behind stump the week before by Syracuse, 66-something to whatever. But we still a pretty decent team. And EJ like, Tanner, man, it's on tomorrow, boy. I'm finna go ahead, and this gonna be my ticket off into the sun. So I'm like, what you mean? Like, he knew man, it was a big game. I go, I go ball this game, man. I'm gone. I'm gone. So wow. between me and him, you know, he like, don't tell nobody. You gotta worry about me. Right. Fourth quarter of the game, he got 300 some yards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. On top of that, it's crazy. Are you serious? I, on, it's crazy. On top of that, I was rooming with him. I had the game winning touchdown. Of that game. I balls out. Uh. He balls out. And he like, yeah, brother. He gave me a hug. He said, it's a wrap, man. I told you. I'm gone. Wow. I mean, stay prepared. Stay ready. And then when your time comes, boom. One of the things I learned from that I tried to implement into my everyday walk is just having some kind of a plan. Now, I'm not a planner, but having a goal in mind. That's one of the things I noticed from the guy. He had a goal. He had a lot of goals. (laughs) And he's one guy that conquered them all. You have to have a vision of something that you want. You know, people tell you all the time, like, in order for you to get something or have something or accomplish, you have to view yourself in that light. You can't just sit there and say, I want that and then don't have no vision of it. And he had a vision. 
He would tell you his vision. He would tell you that this is what I'm going to get. I'm going to tell you how I'm going to get it. I'm going to wow. write this down. And I wouldn't write things down, but I knew what I wanted. I used to visualize it because it was taught to me to visualize it. Hey, close your eyes. Dream of a moment that you want or something that you're going to do or something that you may feel like. You know, I just shared with my friend today. I was like, man, you know, it's crazy. People ask you, man, who put the ball in your hands? Well, I can't just sit here and say my dad put the ball in my hands. But I can tell you my dad implemented me having success. He put that into my mindset. He would get up. He would get us out of bed or get us out the house on a Friday night when he come in from work and say, let's go take a ride. And we take a ride out and we go see all these big houses. You know, I'm sitting in the back seat as a 9, 10, 11, 12 year old. And I'm just sitting there. He read meters. He worked for FPNL at the time. He like, yeah, I read the media of this house. Such and such stay there. He wanted us to see what we can have. Right. And he'd be like, hey, man, you know, that's the house I want now when you, y'all get a little money. So, you know, as a kid, you sitting there in that back seat, you was like, you know, I'm looking. And I'm probably not even, you know, I'm not even focused on what the big picture was. Right. Until I got older. Until I started going out there and was like, man, I might want this. This house is getting a little crammed for me. I might want some more. And then you realize that my dad all the while has been putting this vision in my head to know that I can have it. And there's many ways to get it. But this is one way I know I can have it. And so that's what I same thing I learned from EJ is like fast forward. Now I'm getting to college and I got a guy with that same mentality. He was hungry. You look at his upbringing, he's to bring us back to his hood all the time and show us who he took care of and how he was to his family. And you sit there and say, man, he's hungry. He has a different perspective of life. He know that it's more out there than what he see every day. If you can take a little piece of that and put it with you, man, it does a lot for your mindset and what you view yourself as from down the line. Like everyone always say 10 years from now what you want to be, 10 years from now what you want to do. I remember in fifth grade, a guy told me, 10 years from now, I'm going to be hearing your name. Wow. That's all I had to hear. That coach, and it's so crazy, I went home to Miami and I bumped to that coach and I said, Coach, I ain't seen you in probably like almost 20 years, but remember you told me 10 years from now, you're going to be hearing my name. When I said he say Santana, he didn't know who I was from just talking to him, but he remember telling remember me that. Remember that story. That's so that's what crazy. I'm saying. So EJ was doing that, man. He inspired a lot of guys, man. A lot of us was really hanging on to his coattail, man. Yeah. He led the way because that's what we knew. We knew EJ done open those doors, and so let's go out there and follow what he done set for us. He's a real one, too. Shout-outs to Edra and James. No Here's to you. Full of goals and a mouthful of gold. <laughs> you heard me? All right, Tanner, you know what time it is. Time now for what? We watching. All right, Tana, this week I watched a movie that I know you've seen. 12 Strong with, I, I don't even know his real name, the guy that plays Thor. Everybody know him as Thor. Thor. Chris Hemsworth. It's two of them. I don't, I don't know the difference. But Thor, basically, and it was a, a group of Green Berets who went to Afghanistan right after, like literally right after 9-11. Yeah. What a movie. That was amazing, bro. I shared with you how it almost made me want to um, have that experience. And you Man. said, no way. Yeah, it did the complete opposite <laughs> for me. I mean, hey, we both love U.S. We love America. But, man, yeah. I did not want to play G.I. Joe man. at all. It was special, though. It was special. You know, was I watched great. it, and I'm one of those guys, man, I watched so many movies that, you know, it's hard to remember them all. But I remember a roommate, friend of mine, he was like, Tanner, you got to go see this. 12 Strong, you got to go see it. And when I finally got a chance to, you know, see it, I walked out of there like, yeah. Yeah. That was one of those movies that got you up like, man, you know, you appreciate what you're Because, you know, you know, a lot of things we don't know and don't understand about what goes on, right. you know, for us to be able to be as free. Have this time right now, sharing this on a podcast and being able to not have any worries about, you know, someone invading us mm -hmm. and doing what we see done on TV and just in the news. But to see those guys go out there and it's in a movie, so you don't know how much of it is fiction or not. But to watch them go out there and do what they do and watch those men say, we're going to take matters in our own hand. Yeah. 
it was one of those things that I never forget. It was based on true story, and not just that, but even the way they were fighting. Yeah. If you remember, they were horseback. I don't want to give horseback. the whole movie away for those who haven't seen it, but it was basically by any means necessary. It, it type was, of it was basically like I'm going to die for my country. Right. I'm going because you coming in on horseback. You have man. <laughs> you don't know who's in those mountains. No. Nope. What they have around you. You basically said I'm willing to die for my country. So that's why I say it's so many guys, and I have so many vets in my family from uncles to you know granddads. You have to tip your head off, and that's why this discussion. I don't want to go further than what it is, yeah. but you salute those guys. No man. question. You salute the people. No question. And the men and women that goes out there and support and take care of this country and give us the life we live because there's no life without what they do. We take so many things for granted, you know, and I know we talking about this movie, but it have to look at the bigger picture. Right. The bigger picture is men and women that do that for us every day. Yeah. Whether they out there in combat or not, they out there supporting our livelihoods, our what, we, what, what we able to go out there and walk and live freely to do. So watching that movie gave me a different perspective of a lot about, you know, what they endure and the things and the matters that they have to handle and the circumstances they have they encounter with, you know, right. and it makes you appreciate life a little more. Other than that, I've been watching the NBA and hockey playoffs. Have you been watching hoops? I've been watching hoops. Okay. And we can get to hoops all day. It's so much going on, especially with my Cavs. And I say that because I'm Woo. just a LeBron fan. I'm not Man. a Cavs fan, but I'm a LeBron fan. And you know how we grew up. We all grew up wanting to be like Mike. <laughs> and so it became you became a bull. Yes. LeBron. Yeah, man. LeBron. Better than Mike? We'll get into that later. <sighs> we'll get into it. I'm going to say that for a different podcast that we could discussion. do a whole podcast yeah, on that because it's just <laughs> one of those things man that you can't compare the two so i don't want to go there yes you can you're right but not on the All santana right. mall show we, we won't be talking about my boy lebron and Fair mike enough. because i feel like those are two guys i put on that pedestal that it's nobody else it's jordan and james so yeah. what else i've been watching this week i watched the movie i was asleep on a friday i believe it was a friday i woke up and it was a movie called within being that the fact that the movie was Halfway done, I hit the little rewind button. Oh, it started it over. Right. It's movie within. I don't know the character's name, but the movie was about a family. They stayed in this particular house. They all died. Oh. You know, had a strange death. People don't know how they died. The family always took pictures with the mom, the dad, and the daughter. Okay. And no one ever knew they had a son. The new family see the old pictures and realize that if you look really close in the house behind Stop them, that picture, me, man. it's a guy in that window. So <laughs> this is escalating so quickly. This, this new family, oh, God. Uh, this guy that he has uh, his new wife and his daughter, he's a widower. He moves into this home. The daughter finds out, man, somebody else stayed in this house other than that family. <laughs> it's a boy that they never talked about. So they research and do all this research on this kid that this kid had a disorder where he was supposed to be taken out of the house and live in a different home to take care of him. He had to be confined to small spaces. So this guy lived all his life in the walls and the attic of the home. What is happening? He was still in the house with the new family. Oh, I just he peed on myself. He would literally come out at night oh. and be breathing over you, moving your sheets, doing crazy shit to the family and the daughter wasn't crazy the whole time she like it's someone in this house i hear things in the wall this guy was living through the walls and the attic of the home fast forward through this movie he finally comes out and the daughter finally gets it right and everyone finds out and he killed he killed everybody I, I in the, the house story. he kills everybody in the house but it she wasn't been, even his family's fault she been telling them man it's somebody in this house other than us they thought they caught the guy because they actually got up there in the attic and the father got up there and uh. he had them kidnapped the daughter's boyfriend and had him up there. <laughs> and so when he comes out, the police finds him and shoot him thinking that that's the guy. 
find out uh, that that's not the guy. He's still there, and he ended up killing the family. It was the craziest movie I watched. But what's it, was it called? Within. Within. Uh, let me write it. that down on the and list. And I know of I told I'll the movie. Never watch. I know I shared too much of it, but it's one of those movies that I can share all of it, and you still want to see it because so, it was just no, that. I, no, absolutely not. <laughs> so he kills a family, and that's it. Nothing happens to this loser that lives in the walls and kills he, families. It, it should be another one. It should be a sequel or something. Uh, it, it has I, to be. I want no parts of that. <laughs> In fact, this segment is over. <laughs> Time now for finish the sentence. All right, Tana, let's finish the sentence now. We're going rapid fire here. I chose to work in the media after my playing days were over because... When I was done playing, I had no goals of what I wanted to do afterwards. I had so many things in mind, but I didn't have one particular that stood out. And I told myself, the first door open, I'm going to take it, you know, because it's a privilege to be wanted to do something other than what you know. I've always had coaching in the back of my head because I felt that, hey, you know, I went to school for education. Then after that, I went back to school for business management. i am already been in the business world with the properties and stuff I've been trying to, you know, buy in and that I already own. I went to be a teacher. So I should be a pretty good coach. And I think throughout the years of playing, I'll end up my later years, I was coaching on the job. The reason why I took this door, because it opened. It opened wide open. And when someone say, hey, we want you, it's almost like being drafted again. It's almost like being that first round pick all over again. So I said, hey, it it brings me close to something that I wasn't ready to leave in this game. And I'm able to still feel like I'm playing this game, covering my red skin. So that's why I'm here. The first heartbreak I've ever experienced in life was. <sighs> she she cut you deep, Tana. <laughs> Does it have to be a woman? Cause I you Your mean, first heartbreak, whatever it was. Dog can't. died or like a goldfish a jumped died. out the tank. My, I was gonna say my dog. My, oh man. And it wasn't my dog. I grew up with my grandmother down in Liberty City and uh, off of seven ninth and sixth Ave. I remember growing up in a house with a dog. His name was Santos. I never shared this with you because I know we have a dog here in studio named Santos. His name was Xantos. I rode this dog back like he was a horse. That was my dog. It was my grandmother's dog. It was the house dog. It was everyone's dog. And I remember coming home from school one day, and that dog is gone. Uh, He's he's dead. I witnessed him laying on the road. And that was my first heartbreak. Like, I later didn't like dogs because the dog that I had so close and and, and meant so dearly to me, you know, he was gone. Someone took his life. So that's when I became a dog hater. Now I've overcome that because my family members have so many of them, so you have to love them again. But, uh, yeah, that was my first heartbreak. That's tough. The first time I became a father, I felt. The real feeling that I experienced was it's no more thinking about self. You were yes. young, too. I was 20 years old. It was a month before my 21st birthday. Wow. My son was born May 1st. They said he was going to be born on my birthday. He came a little early. I don't know how because he was ready to come. He was eight pounds and something. A month later, I turned 21. But I was still in college. I had a whole senior year to, <sighs> ahead of myself. I remember that senior year. I was so business-minded. I mean, the things that I was doing at 20, the hanging out, partying, the whole enjoying college life. I was already a man. Like, as soon as my son stepped foot in this earth, I was like, man, it's no more me. It's him. It's him and I and his mom. That was my whole everything. I went out there on those Saturdays, and I played focused knowing that, man, I got to go make this money. And that's just how I felt. So, yes, I felt like it was the best gift I can ever receive in life. Of course. But I also felt the most pressure ever because it wasn't all about me. It was about him and his mom and making sure I secure a nice living for them. I almost thought it was wrong. I remember telling my mom, like, I don't know if this is good news or bad. Right. But, um, yeah. I mean, it's always a blessing. I'm about man. to have a son. My mom was like, oh, yeah. my grandma. No doubt. I was like, oh, you happy? You're happy. <laughs> they just told me I need to be a grandma. I'm yeah. like, 
Well, shit, I don't know. I'm so happy, man. <laughs> but since you're happy, I'm, I'm gonna of look course. at it differently. But Always no, a it, and it's definitely a blessing. Yeah. So that's what I took it as a blessing. But I didn't know if I was ready right. because I knew it was so much I was trying to achieve. And my dad was one of those guys. He always put in my head. You know, I had a hoopty from my sophomore year until my junior year. Until my girl was pregnant, I had to get rid of that hoopty because the hoopty I couldn't count on it. And my dad was like, "Yeah, wait on the car, man. You about to get drafted." And I'm like, no. "It ain't no if, ands, or bus. I need a new car no right doubt. now." No doubt. And I remember the time breaking down and I broke down in front of the University of Miami and my girl pregnant we was going somewhere I don't know where we was going and I broke down and I remember getting out of my car and I'm pushing it the uh, shuttle bus on campus had all the track girls in it oh no and I remember them looking at me like ah and I'm pushing and a guy ah. out of nowhere bro he literally jumped out of his car while I was moving I know I'm exaggerating but I'm not the guy jumped out of his car like Santana What's up, buddy? And he went to pushing with me, and we wow. pushed it. And I'm like, man, your car's still rolling, though. Like, he's like, right. no, don't worry about it. And he pushed my car to the side, and he's like, man, I just saw you, and I'm a big fan, and I wanted to make sure you were straight. I was in the middle of traffic, and wow. he got me out of that, and I later called Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne had a nice, reliable car, and Reggie knew when I called him that time of day, He'd be like, where you at, buddy? Yeah, he knew. Because that car always broke yeah. down. And he picked me up, and that next day I came back with him. I had a Gallant. <laughs> a, a 2000. I came there rolling that thing on some 18s, and I rolled right by the track. <laughs> you laugh at me now. You laugh at me now. I, I came just for y'all. All you track girls, all y'all who laugh. <laughs> 2000 beating now. I had speakers and all. Boy, I, I made sure before I took that thing off the lot, I want rims and music. I'm going to pull up in this thing and show them. Back then, they didn't want you. Now you hot day all on you. <laughs> I was, boy, hey, you know how you like the sweet taste of revenge. Hell yeah, you laughed yeah. at my hoop there. But the next day, I'm in oh, a 2000 Galant. Man. It took a pretty big chunk out of my check, but. um. <laughs> I just want all the ladies out there to know. It takes a real woman to roll with a guy in a hoopty that always breaks down. Oh, man. He has to push your pregnant self around. If you had to choose between a Hall of Fame career or a Super Bowl ring, I would choose. Oh! That's tough. <laughs> Whoever wrote these is a genius. I want Super Bowl because... Respect. The reason why I say that because it's a lot of Hall of Famers that I see that's not Hall of Famers. There's guys with numbers that still haven't been accepted into this fraternity that I don't know why. Edrin so, James. Edrin, you know, I'll just go to receivers. Keenan McCardell. T.O. just T.O. just getting in. I just feel like it's one of those things that you need too much to go right for you to be the guy at your job. Me being right. a receiver, right. you have to have a Hall of Fame quarterback almost caliber for you to be on that level. The media has to like you. you. Know, the media, one thing. But if you go out there and handle your business between those lines, you know, it's almost guaranteed. Half of the time, you can't always handle your business if you don't have the support from the entire team. Right, that's true. Super Bowl, the reason why I would choose the Super Bowl, because every guy on every individual team Main goal is to win the championship. That's the ultimate team goal for anybody that plays in the NFL. In this media world, everyone's saying, hey, we going after that trophy. Got to get it. So I never came into the league wanting to be a Hall of Famer. True, I would love to be one, you know, but it's not granted to everybody, regardless of how well you play. But I always wanted that trophy. I always wanted to have that accomplishment with my brothers because I feel like at the end of the day, we did this together. We playing a team sport. Right. So it's nothing I did individually. As long as I did my job for you, I'm okay with that. So whether I'm a Hall of Famer or not, I'm rewarded by knowing I can get that trophy or doing my job for those guys that's trying to get that trophy with me. All right, we'll close it out on this. My definition of greatness is? My definition of greatness is LeBron James. We pull up a dictionary right now. I think the dictionary from now on, 
when you go and look at definition, they're going to have pictures by him. They're going to have pictures by every definition. LeBron James is the definition of greatness to me. And I watched a lot of guys play sports from soccer players to basketball before LeBron. And they try to compare this guy. And that's why they want to speak on him earlier because they, well, try, speak to, on they it, try to compare him so much to Michael Jordan, man. But what they're forgetting is that regardless of who he is at the end of the day, we're witnessing greatness, man. We're witnessing a guy that can play every position on the court, the most dominant guy in the game. You know, when we talk about greatness, we say Michael Jordan, he's the GOAT. But at one point of time in our era, the most dominant guy on the court was Shaq. You yeah. couldn't stop Shaq. Shaq was the first center that was scoring 40. Probably not the first, but in our era, in watching our the era, game. He was the most dominant. The most dominant guy on the court scoring 30 or 40 more, you know, a game. Like, that's unheard of at times, that you know? That's huge. And having a Kobe Bryant that you right. can go to that he can always put up 30 in the blink of an eye. Yes. So when you look at LeBron James and his teams and all that stuff. His team sucked. Him. He never, and Except everyone, the Miami everyone talks about when he goes, oh, he had to go to Miami to find out how to win. No, he went to Miami to play with a good core guy. Guys. And that's what happens. When you play with people that's on the same level as you, then you win championships. So right. many guys have done it, but you want to throw shade on LeBron. LeBron is my definition of greatness, but the true definition of greatness to me would say, if I had to word it, I would say when being good is normal. Mm. And the reason why I say that, because I can attest to just knowing what it takes to being good. It's a lot of work into being good with anything you do in life whether we up here talking on these mics whether we out there between those lines whether we trying to be businessmen in this world teachers you name it practice is everything and when there's a guy or two that because i've watched guys all my life that can just step on the field especially in my profession that i know the best and just be good without having to put the work in that's a sign of greatness to me Getting back to what I said about LeBron James, he's that kind of guy. He's that kind of guy that good is normal to him. So he's great because good is normal. He's been a guy that had been thrown to the fire from day one. Just in high school alone, all the pressure he had on coming into this league as number one with the whole scandal about the Hummer, the Hummer that we found yeah, so famously. That's right. that's right. And then to get out here and be the guy that went to all these finals. Went all, but you didn't win them all. We always throwing some at him. They throwing stones at him because they can't defeat him. Yeah, he might lose, but it's a team effort. Not yeah, him teams, individually losing. teams are garbage. You know, so, you know, when it all boils down to it, you know, I jokingly said LeBron James because I do look at him and say that's greatness, but it's when being good is normal. Santana Moss, that is greatness. Feast your eyes on that, ladies and gentlemen. Travis Thomas, average at best, but, you know, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm working Get on it. Average at best, but, <laughs> I mean, I'm a little bit above average, but it's around there. I'm like a B minus dude. You have to appreciate what you <laughs> I'm a strong B minus, baby. You, if you're a B minus, then, I, then I'm going to make your B minus a plus. Let's go! Let's go! <laughs> Santana Moss Show Podcast, episode five in the books. Cinco! You gotta love it. Go to Santana Moss's YouTube page, subscribe, like, share, the whole nine. Also, we're coming to Apple Podcasts soon and very soon. You know, brother. I'm in. It's a Santana Moss show. Homer through your ball dream. Number 89. Hustle all the time. Travis on the right. Hot mic on the left. Every single week. 